Hello and welcome to Turning Point Tactics, the competitive Kill Team 40k podcast, focused on giving you the strategies and tactics to seize initiative every turning point. I'm your host Ryan and I'm joined by the Boxing Day hangover that followed the Christmas lunch, Connor. How are you doing this evening, Connor? Well, as you all know, Ryan, I've been nothing but drunk during the Christmas festivities and basically went full werewolf. But when I eventually came round, I found out there was huge kill team news. We've got new balance data slate, new missions, new tack ops, a new FAQ. Where do we even begin with this? <laughs> Just before we, before we go into that, what is going for werewolf? Uh, you wake up in a field with a ripped shirt and blood that you don't really know how I got there and can't remember what happened the night before. Okay, alright, sounds sounds good. Um, we're just going to gloss over whatever that happened to you during the Christmas period. But we did get an opportunity to play quite a lot of Kill Team. I think we played three games as, as a family. I played one against Dad, two against you. Um, and we've, I've had an opportunity to play quite a bit of the new... I say quite a bit, only like eight or, eight or nine games, I think. Of the new map, the new missions, which is pretty cool. So, um, where, where to begin? Uh, great question. So much to unpack. The data slate changed pretty much everything in the top tier of the game, which is awesome. Very much needed in some cases. Um, I think there's still some teams that need a little bit more help. Uh, the new missions, again, changed just so much in, 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 in the competitive scene, which is pretty awesome for us to be able to unpack. And then combining all of that, we've also got new tack ops, which is primarily how you're going to score at least a third of your points, but it's probably weighted a lot, lot more in most of the tournaments. So, and if that wasn't enough, they even went out and threw an FAQ out there to then address uh, a bunch of inconsistencies, uh, buff uh, Star Striders a little bit more, I mean, um, make sure Star Striders were understood by everyone, and uh, and change some medic rooms as well. So there is there is a whole, whole bunch uh, to unpack. I think what we probably should do is try and rate the kill team. So, obviously, we're on episode four now. We're going through that match play mission sequence, and we're at the select kill team step. Now, clearly, there's two parts to that, right? There's the, the selection that happens before you even get to the table where you're going to choose which kill team that you, you want to bring. But there's also the, the little bit of the selection when you're at the table as to, as to what models you, you're going to select. Um, so I think it's probably good if we talk around some of the metrics that we're using uh, to, to assess these kill teams. And then if we, can, if we can do that, then when we give a tier list, People might be able to see where we're thinking uh, stuff lies based on the, the the metrics that we're using to assess. Because it's so easy to be really subjective and just give, you know, very hot takes um, when you see a rule and go, "Oh my god, that's absolutely busted!" Uh, and then it's only when you read it twice that you realise maybe it's not quite as busted as you thought, or vice versa. You know, when you actually play it and see it on the table realize something that you thought wasn't that strong is is significantly stronger um does that sound good to you should, should we probably start with with that or do you want to, want to go into anything else no let's do it let's jump in okay Th there's different ways to begin of categorizing like how good your kill team is at doing stuff but when you when you look at the core bits it's going to be how offensively capable are you so how well are you how good are you at removing models from the table uh, which is really important to deny your opponent's VP. And then the next bit is going to be how durable or survivable or defensive are you as a team to be able to then hang around and score your own VP. And then finally, I think that the sort of the third tenant is going to be 
how uh, good you are at scoring missions. So like, or getting your own points. So that could be, let's say, a uh, good example, companion sounds can get free mission actions. That's a really useful tool for them to be able to play on like loot and salvage or on the new mission loot, which will obviously be a third of what you're probably playing in the future, which is pretty, pretty big. Um, and they can be getting four points a turn without really spending any actions, what feels like to them, to achieve that sort of VP. So those are the three things that I think we should be looking at. And I'm going to go into a bit more detail into in to the metrics we use. But overarching, how offensive are you? How survivable are you? And how good are you at playing the mission? Um, is, I think, what we'll, we'll begin with. So if you were to choose those three, Connor, which one do you want to talk about first? Offense, defense, or mission play? You know me. I love going all in. Let's discuss offense. <laughs> I, I don't really know why I even bother asking, because clearly if you're going to wake <laughs> up in a field covered in blood, uh, you only get that through an offensive lifestyle. So, blood for the um, bug god. <laughs> blood for the bug god. Uh, skulls for the skull throne. Is that the, the phrase? Correct. Um, yeah, whatever it is. Corn, corn, corn. Uh, all right, so first thing that I think we need to look at when you're looking at your offensive capability is the weapons that your kill team bring in and what damage breakpoints they have. So this is something that I think at the higher end of competitive play, everyone acknowledges, or maybe you uh, know is a thing, but you haven't necessarily put two and two together, or you're doing it, but not realizing you're doing it potentially. It depends upon where you are inside the, the various skill levels. But each weapon has, has, a, has a, a set damage point right so that could be two three four five six whatever it is um, but the main ones are two three four and five there's a few six damage weapons but it's, it's pretty out there and what that means is is if you take your opponent's wound characteristic you can then find out how many dice you need to resolve based on your damage characteristic to kill that model so let's take a if we talk about a guardsman equivalent model a geq that's seven wounds five up save now if you're if you've got a uh, a two damage weapon you're going to need to resolve four hits with that two damage weapon potentially a crit as well that will that will reduce it but four regular hits is going to take that guardsman down so you get four dice through if it's a three damage weapon you only need to get three dice through and if it's a four damage weapon you only need to get two dice through but no that doesn't really improve until you get up to uh seven damage where you can then potentially one hit them so that, that, that's an interesting thing to look, look at so for me, quite often, when I look at kill teams, access to four damage weaponry is really, really strong because it's going to mean that you can kill those lower level models in two hits. And when you look at then the, the middle ground of sort of like your, your uh, I think people call them elites in the past or the mid range or the standard team, whatever we look at with the eight wounds and the four plus save, again, four damage is going to kill them in two, which is so much more reliable then say three damage having to get try and get those that third hit through so that's the first thing that you need to look at is that is that damage breakpoint and how many weapons do you have with with that obviously you're used to playing with pathfinders which is an entire team right well just four damage weapons uh yeah four five pulse pulse gun uh well the burst cannon's three four but predominantly it's a four five what what when you mentioned there with damage breakpoints there's another angle that i was just thinking while you're talking about it I don't know if it actually blends with the defensive side, but take that eight wound model. If you're putting out four damage, it takes two shots to kill. And if you're putting out five damage, it takes two shots to kill. The difference is that five damage is going to injure someone. How do you factor that into your, your damage or your offensive capability? That's a great point. And uh, it's also, again, when you talk about four damage, four damage versus a seven wound model injures 
Uh, it doesn't necessarily versus Nate, but you're absolutely right. And there is, when we talk about survivability, something we need to talk about is how you can overcome that potentially uh, ability to be injured or uh, work around it in, in some way. But my, my initial assessment for damage is going to be, as you say, that damage breakpoint and then the ability for crits to injure or the ability for regular damage to injure is again really really uh, important but the other thing with that and this is where i think a lot of people miss out and we had a tactical tip last week of you know dice don't kill people dice with rerolls do but how reliable is that damage so if you're hitting on fours with no rerolls but you do four damage that's great but you're probably not killing anything anyway because you're only going to get two hits through they're going to retain one for being in cover or whatever and you're only doing four damage and they might even make another save and block your other one so how reliable is that is that being being delivered now interestingly when you then look at your offensive capability the next thing that's tied intrinsically to that is their opponent's armor save right because let's say you're playing against custodies and you have a bunch of four or five damage weapons but no ap the chance of them making a two up save is really really high so even if you have quite reliable weapons uh, you might get the volume of attacks to start pushing things through but you you're probably still going to see them making three saves a turn so the next thing is is ap so does the team have it and if they do have it at what range is it being used is is something to consider as well so if all of your ap weapons are very very short range that's great you've got ap but actually when you look at how a board is being operated it's really limited in, in its application because you might not have the right model in exactly the right place for them to be able to use use that ap uh, efficiently to be able to finish that kill so i think that's another thing to look at is you know damage breakpoints reliability of that damage and then do you have access to ap in, in, the, in the right way because if you don't it can really hurt when you're trying to put down some of the bigger models with good saves to to get that damage through now there is Something we'll talk about in a future episode about like maths is just again lots lots of volume of attacks can just burn through that but you also need to be able to um to, to deny it if it's a good save i agree 100 percent. i wanted to add a, a third a third layer to that if you will the idea of, of um i agree with everything you've said so far about ap but underneath that lethal and to some extent rending as well because putting a six now turns that two plus save into a six plus save so it's not quite as good as AP, but it's definitely adding something to the lethality. And not just that, but you, you've already talked about the fact that some of the crits, like a five damage crit or a four damage crit might be enough to put a model to injured. And lethal is 100% going to do that. And it's going to get through invulnerable saves. So that is, again, a really good way around it. So another way of looking at, at it is, you know, AP is great. Lethal is even better in a, in a way of potentially forcing through those saves. Because even like against Custodes, unless they're rolling a six, it now takes two of their dice to block a crit and that's again significantly reducing the damage uh, that, that, that's going through and the next bit that i'd say in your offensive capability is going to be your um your blast weapons so some teams don't really have so in in the meta you've got the horde teams you got the elite teams elite teams you sort of want focused damage in one place and in the horde teams you want the ability to spread that damage efficiently across multiple models long range blast is one of the best mental taxes i think you can apply to an opponent right and we just we just played a game i was using my illicit and star, star, star striders versus your pathfinders and your crew as well and it's just that having the, the angles constantly you're thinking about makes it so much easier to make a mistake that someone capitalize on 
because it's not a frag grenade at six inches, which is a really easy threat range to plan and mitigate against. It's that constant presence across the board, all those angles you have to be really thinking about. So access to blast is, is another key tool to be able to, to, to force either a constant mental tax on your opponent if they're really, really good, or against um, not super brain opponents, they're likely to make a mistake which you can exploit and maybe pick up a double kill or two. So I think that's, a, that's another really good um, metric for offensive capability. I think that's kind of how I'm, I'm looking at the offensive side of it. Should we go into defense now, survivability, or do we go to go into to mission actions? What, what do you think? Makes sense to, to talk about defense, I think. Cool. All right, let's do it. So, there is so many ways I think your team can be survivable and tanky. Now, I reckon if you ask a new player, how is a team survivable and tanky, they're going to say they've got a good armor save and they've got lots of wounds, right? And that's probably the, the go-to answers. But I would, I would actually argue that those are your last resort when it comes to uh, survivability. They're good, don't get me wrong, but that is your, that is your last resort. So um, lots of wounds can be dealt with by high damage weapons and a high armor save can be dealt with by AP. Um, and if you combine all those together with reliable high AP shooting, then you're going to delete, delete those models pretty quickly. Um, which is why I think when we roll back the clock at previous data slates and we look at like custodies, maybe they weren't too broken. So, because um, a team like Scions have access to that high damage, high AP and reliable uh, shots. So, other things to look at. Your invulnerable save, if, if you're on those models, is, is important. Um, but again, potentially could be quite swingy. Most invulnerable saves are four up, five up. Uh, there's a few three ups that are out there, but gen generically you're looking at four up and five ups, which can be quite swingy unless you've got access to cover, double retains or retain critical hits. That's really, really good. Um, or if you have some sort of re-rolls in your defense dice, they're a bit rarer than your attack dice. But if you have that, that'd be a good way of doing it. Or some sort of damage reduction ability. So. Um, there's a few that are out there at the moment. You've got uh, minus one to your normal damage, minus one to your crit damage, uh, minus one to both. You've got half damage on one dice. Um, you've got all these different different ways of doing it. And that's all great at, at being or, or giving you tools to avoid taking damage and, and, and being survivable. But what's the problem with that is if your opponent rolls out and fires a plasma gun at your custodies and they just roll four sixes it doesn't really matter that he's got a storm shield he's probably going to die like like unless you roll really well and you make all your saves and you get some crit saves whatever but it's probably not going to do that he's probably going to die and as a result you're like oh this is this has not worked out well for me i've just lost the model because i couldn't um i couldn't necessarily uh roll the right saves so i think there's other ways i like to look at survivability which is uh, a model advantage so do you have a significantly increased number of models? Because each one of those requires a shooting attack unless you can get a blast or whatever to get rid of. So if you've got a lot of models, you are very durable. Um, and another one is, can you conduct one-way shooting? So this might be called asymmetric shooting, non-reciprocal shooting, I shoot, you know shoot, whatever you want to call it. Many different names. What it means is, is I'm rolling dice to attack you, but you don't get to roll dice to attack back. And the ways that you can get that is either through having models with silent, um, 
or models that have got movement, the ability to ignore obscurity, get the angles that you need, whatever it is. Um, and also probably most key is activation advantage. And we'll talk about the ability to have last and first turn. So I get the last activation of turning point one, but I also potentially get the first activation of turning point two. That can be a really good way to make sure that I've dealt damage to you and then I'm going to then do more damage to you at the start of the next turn and there's not much you can do about it. Uh, at which point they've already sort of done their, um, their their main stuff, which Pathfinders has in, has in droves. Um, there's other teams that have, have got it as well, which I think when we get into the tier list, it will, it will become apparent why I'm, I'm, I'm rating those teams based on those two things. Any thoughts on any of that, Connor? No, I think it's a really great insight, actually. Like, yeah, you think of the, the tanky, beefy models that are out there, but actually everyone's tried shooting at that Vetguard sniper that's on concealing a high bit of terrain and it's just impossible and you have to like, run up with a grenade and there you go. He's at, he, he's only seven wounds, he's got a five plus save, but he's probably way more tanky than the Custode. Yeah, he's already retained one, so you've got to get at least three hits through on, on your crack grenade, otherwise he survives and there's always a chance he makes the other save on a, on a five up or a four up, depending on whether he's using a strap ploy and suddenly Wow, you've thrown a crack grenade, you know, you had to get your guy into the position to do that and you've not got rid of that model. And the guy that you've sent to, on that mission is almost certainly gonna die. Um, which, which can be pretty rough, right? Can be can be pretty rough. So finally I think we're gonna talk about um, mission play and their ability to do that. So for me, when I talk about the mission, I mean it's it's good to now point it to have a look at how we're looking at new, at new mission because new missions are six objectives. Two of them require actions to do. One of them requires being alive on the point at the end of the turn. Um, and two of them are now going to stick with you until someone then goes and counteracts. So, um, I think for me, the ability to do free mission actions is, is, is really good because let's say you need to get into the mid board to tap an objective. That's not regularly within a regular like a normal move away normally it's going to be a move and a dash so unless you're a three apl model you're not going to be able to get that straight away the other way of looking at it is having just three apl but fine um and that's going to get you onto the primary to be able to do those things so a team like star striders they have a model that has three apl they have a model that can do free mission actions and that means that they can get to that mid board and get on those objectives turning point one when a lot of other teams can't but there are teams that can. Hunter Clay can forward deploy someone. That's another way to look at it. It's things like forward deploy are ways to be able to get a similar level of, of mission play that other people can't, can't do. But the other two uh, main points to look at is what archetype is your team and what tack ops they have access to. So each archetype now, because you can't take all your faction tack ops, forces you somewhat into a play style. And they're all quite different and, and they're all, I think, quite interesting. And they're now much more balanced than they used to be. But there are still some like auto-include tack ops, I think, that are going to get you some guaranteed VP where you need it, such as uh, recon, recover item. You can get that and, and have no difficulty in achieving it. Um, so recon for me is a uh, very strong tack op or archetype because it often requires you to do something that your opponent can't deny as long as you're choosing the correct ones or if you do it smart. Security requires actions from your opponent to come forwards 
um, and, and you can deny that as well. But it's a it's a two way thing. They know where you're trying to work, and you know how to how to deny it. So that, that's interesting as well. But you can you can hold back and still score. So um, we'll do a whole episode on tack ops, and we'll do our assessment of each individual one and which one we think is good. But they're they're crucial to your ability to score points, points winning the game. And, and that's a, a really important thing now because you can't have all three faction tack ops. Speaking of faction tack ops, you can take one and you get to choose choose which one it is now. So if you've got one that gives you guaranteed VP, I'm thinking something like uh, the Kazakhins um, faction tack op to just designate a priority objective, move on to that, score a guaranteed one, you're probably going to get that again. It'd be very hard not to max it as long as you play your team, team right. That's a... A really good way of being able to play play the mission and guarantee you some points. I think those are the main metrics that I'm looking at. Do you think there's anything we, we, we've we've missed um, at all? No, I think we've covered it. It's a good way to assess each team. Do you want to talk about how that then applies to a tier board? I think so. So, um, I guess it's probably worthwhile explaining initially just how we, how we've made the tiers, right? So, I think. Everyone's probably seen the classic gamer S through to D tier, uh, where it goes S being the very, very strongest, best of the best, probably too strong. A being, uh, you know, one level down from that, B being one level down from that, C being one down from that, and D being uh, one of the, the the worst tiers. And then usually they, yeah, they, they throw in F tier, which is like pay your respects. That tier is um, not even worth talking about. I think it's worthwhile for us to just kill team of fire a little bit so i think the game is generically quite balanced at the moment but um, there are some teams that are maybe underperforming and some teams that are slightly overperforming and it's just good to identify where those are so in our kill team list or our kill team tier list we've got d being the bottom teams these are teams that we think desperately probably need a buff like they, they have some deficiencies in their tool set that means that they are not able to compete at the high levels for whatever reason and it's different for each team but, but there you go c tier is, is your standard tier right so that is going to be your they, they've kind of got everything they're not exceptional they'll do well for you if you're a good player you, you can win tournaments with them because they that they have what they need but they're not for me reliable enough it's kind of what, what I'm, I'm viewing it as b tier is above average They've got everything that the C tier has, but they've got those those extra abilities. They're either more, they're either more durable, they're more killy, or they're better at playing the objective. Whatever it is, they have that 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 method to, to get around those those three core principles in maybe one or two areas. So so in, in in one or two, they're doing that better than everyone else. And then finally, A tier is going to be they've got all three of those those bits that I think you need as a team. You know they can play the mission well, they're durable. And they're killy and they're reliable in, in doing those those three things. S tier for me is the teams are too strong and they need to be toned down like urgently. Um, there's for whatever reason they're maybe not fun to play against, they're breaking a core mechanic of the game, something, but in those three things, they're either doing all of them exceptionally and too well, or they can very easily deny other teams from doing those three things. That's how I rate Estes. They're, they're teams that need nerfs um, going forwards. So I think probably best if we just start at the bottom with what I think is the the worst 
team, and then we'll just we'll move up. And I should probably again caveat: I'm not ranking compendium teams in this. I don't think the game is being balanced around compendium teams, and I think it's unfair to try and you know spend a lot of time talking about compendium when they're they're, they're never designed to be to be balanced around the game. Do you think that's fair, Connor? Absolutely. Yeah, let's focus on the real teams at the minute. All right, so just had a massive balance data slate and some of the main teams that received buffs were Hyrotech Circle and Phobos. There were some other buffs as well, but let's start with the team that I think is potentially the worst team in the game. And I'm going to go with, I think it's Hyrotech Circle. So they've just been buffed and it's great. You know, they received some, some nice, I guess, quality of life changes. Their leader is now slightly uh, scary might be able to actually kill something whereas before they were just completely unreliable in, in what they would or wouldn't kill and they've also been helped by the fact that they've been given more cp by the new missions and the fact that the ploy that they're going to use every single turn to re reanimate someone is also being reduced in cost of what to zero zero cp so you're probably thinking well ryan they surely they're really durable because they keep coming back and they can be revived every turn and you just said that the leader is now kind of killy and you're right like those those two things are true and they do have some four or five damage weaponry so you think they'd be pretty good however there is a, like a fundamental flaw in the team is that they are too slow so you can play around the mission against them very very easily and they're always going to be on the back foot so they're going to have to force themselves out into the open because they're too slow to be able to, to capitalize early in the game. They're going to be forced themselves out into places where they don't want to be. And it's very easy to punish them because of that. And they just don't have enough reliable shooting to push through damage. So for me, I don't think they play the mission well enough. I don't think they're offensively where they need to be just yet. And I think they're, they're fundamentally too slow to, to play the mission. And that's going to hurt them when they're trying to stretch out to six objectives with only, I think it's eight or nine models. Like trying to spread out and take take all that ground and do do those missions is just going to hurt them a lot. Any thoughts on that? I know mean, you haven't played against them much, but no, uh, but I agree with what you've said actually. Okay, next team, the other team that received a buff is Phobos. So I think they're the next next on the on the, on the D tier, you know, next level up. So the the reason why they're better than Hyrotech is. They can play recovery quite well, so they can score okay. But when it comes to survivability and when it comes to offensive capability, they're not reliable at all. So survivability, the only 12 wounds, and we talk about damage breakpoints and how many damage you need to force through with four damage to be able to kill a Phobos Marine, and it's only three. Um, and you talk about the fact that they have a, a three plus armor save, really no rerolls. They're, they're reliant on, on the cover and on the board being good. Uh, and they can flip their order back to conceal and they can use obscurity potentially to their advantage but if they're doing those things they're not being offensively out there killing stuff um, or they're not playing the mission they have to choose which one they're doing uh, and there's only six models so as soon as you start choosing that's when they really struggle and if you play someone like phobos into legionary you just feel how unkilly the team is you cannot punish mistakes with their three four weapon damagery uh, sorry three four, three four weapon damage they have a mine but it's it's telegraphed you get to tell them that you're coming and that relies on like a cooperative opponent putting two models uh, within the blast range of each other so you can you can hit both at once which a good player just will, will never give you that uh, and even then you have to suicide your own model to be able to potentially get a double kill where you're more likely to kill yourself than you are to kill them so they're a team sadly they're not very offensive and they're not very defensive 
but they play the mission better, so they're going to score at least somewhat reliably, and that might be able to pit them over Hyrotech Circle, which just can't get get around them. So I think that's probably where they belong at the moment. I think what they need is rerolls. Pyrotech Circle need more movement shenanigans, and all Phobos need is, is rerolls. If you look at intercession, they get balanced basically on all the weapons. If you set the right doctrine, uh, they even got ceaseless guns, whatever else. Phobos needs some way to make their shooting more reliable, and I would love to see some access to like a four or five weapon that's similar to what intercession get with this, the special bolts. Something like that, just to give them the the punch they need to actually kill elite teams rather than what they've got at the moment, which is a, a P1 ploy, which is cool, it's a bit of AP, but it's not addressing the, the main problem that you're going to roll two, uh, you know, a one and a two, and your opponent's going to make two saves, uh, and he's going to make one of them into a crit save anyway because he's Nurgle, and you're going to do zero damage. Like, that's that's all they're doing. And even if you do get a third hit, it's probably going to be a two. Uh, so it's, it's like it's two damage going through, and it's, it's just not enough to kill people. Cool. Let's move on. Unless you have anything on Fable you want to add, Connor? No, it's just it's just funny how even though they're ballistic skill three, they're they're still very swingy with their dice without those rerolls. You can't get that reliability. Yeah, and it's it's, it's something that I think people often overestimate. It's like oh, they're ballistic skill three. They're, they're definitely gonna gonna do some some work here, but no, sadly not. So talking about ballistic skill three, leads us in nicely on a segue to to Kazakin, who are not ballistic skill three, but ballistic skill four, which I. I understand why they've done this. They brought in the elite points mechanic. Fine. They they obviously feel that it's too strong tying that with ballistic skill three because you're not auto delete, but have a high chance of killing elite teams very very easily, and that might lead to feel bads or whatever. However, what you've ended up with is a really fragile team with only seven wounds and a four up save. They're gonna they're gonna fold like paper, and there's not really any way to make them more durable or survivable. And their guns, at the best of times, are are swingy but you're ex even against like even on just raw averages you're expecting to get two hits against a space marine forcing one through with your elite points that's three hits they're going to make a save either with cover or with their own just three up save and you're going to do some damage and you're going to lose your plasma gunner like and you rinse and repeat that six times there is six intercessors that are still left alive and when they shoot you back, they're just going to fold you like paper with their bolt guns. And they're probably going to pick up uh, six to slash all of your team on, on the return fire. And that's just going to be rough. So I think that's probably where they, they need to look at that team. They don't have the offensive reliability that, that I want. It's okay, but it's just it's just not it's not good. And they don't have the defensive reliability either. You know, they don't have much out of an activation advantage against any of the horde teams. They don't have an armor save advantage, a seal advantage, or anything like that against any of the other teams. And they're just not survivable enough. But they do play the objective well because they can get quite a good tack op deck from what they have access to. So I think they're going to score okay, which probably means that you're going to see them winning, you know, up to 50% of games. I don't think we'll ever see them get above that. And I don't think we'll see many of them on a, on a tournament run because as soon as they get to the high-level tables, I just feel you're going to be punished so much for, for their fragility. Any any thoughts on that, Connor? Just, yeah, no, I, again, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just trying to think how you how you fix them. They're, they're an interesting side. This like, elite point ideas. It's, it's, I, I'm, okay, it's an idea. We haven't seen anything like that before. It's like dice manipulation in that way. But it's limited to one dice and it almost makes it pointless. I, I'm wondering if they if, if they can do dice manipulation to multiple dice and go, right, they're not a defensive side, they're an offensive side. That's their, that's their niche and they do those elite points. 
but then is that broken if they can then do that? Yeah, so I think there's there's one or two ways of doing it. You either make them unbelievably offensive, like so, so, so they, they they can kill stuff really really well, and maybe offense are their best version of defense. So they are they are going out to table you by the end of turn two, and maybe only have three to four models left themselves, but that's going to be enough. I think the way you do that is probably making them ballistic skill three. Another thing that they could do is remove the gunner restrictions. It seems somewhat needless to. I think at the moment they can only take the sniper in three. They can yeah. probably do with the extra gunner because if if they're going to be offensive and, and they're, they're a team of special weapons, well, you know, let them bring the special weapons rather than just just have las guns. That's probably my my take on you know that that side of it. If you wanted to be creative though, then maybe you just you just remodel the way in which the team's being run. So maybe make those decoy grenades that they've got and the stun grenades that they've got not cost action points to use or have a strap ploy that lets them use it for free and reduce the EP of them so they then get this ability to you know breach and clear and they're throwing stun grenades and they're an APL manipulation team and they're a shutting off overwatch kind of team and guard and that's the way that, that they do it maybe that's a way that they could solve solve it in a, in a creative way or again maybe you just give them a strap ploy just to give one free elite point per optive shooting attack and then another strap ploy or something that lets you use elite points on as many dice as you like i don't know a few options there but at the moment they're not reliably killy they're not at all durable but they play the mission well so they're one of those bits needs to be changed i know people are saying make the mate wounds uh, i think it will help but i don't think it's going to solve the problem altogether if i'm honest so i think we'll go into cease here and and our our st standard tiers right so we are now I think looking at teams that said that they can do kind of everything, but maybe they have some sort of reliability issues in, in, in one of the three areas and that's what's going to let them down. So I'm actually going to begin with Corsairs. I really like Corsairs. I think they're loads of fun to play. There's probably a bunch of people out there that are saying, you know, oh my God, why are you rating Corsairs so poorly? They've got a 50% a win rate. They're good, right? They're, they've got access to AP. They've got lethal weapons. They've got good melee, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And they do, you're right, they have all of that, all of that, they've got it all. But they are an entire team that are just down to dice. So their ability to remove a model from like heavy cover or light cover uh, and make them appear as if they're on engage order, that, that's a brilliant ability, right? But it's down to a dice roll. And more often than not, it's also range limited to be reliable. So there's, the, there's every chance that you play right and that dice roll just fails you. They're, they don't have any inbuilt rerolls. So they can get one where it's like, if you get a crit, you can retain a miss, all that sort of stuff. But you're then looking at rolling a six to be able to proxy it or proc it to then get that, that benefit. They've only got four attacks in, in melee. And they get like, so all these sorts of things, they just stack one after the other. And it means that they're not particularly reliable. And I think that's why you're seeing them do okay, because they have all the tools and with a good player they're doing all right most of the time but they're just, they're just gonna end up not having the reliability to, to, to move to move forwards and that's kind of where, where i see the team they've got a little bit of everything they're really fast they're, they're really good but they're just not not quite there with the reliability that you need in a tournament to go four games in and and get everything that you need just think of time we'll keep pushing through commandos again they've got most of the things that you want right they've got blast weapons they've got some access to uh, ap attached to those grenades or to the dynamite specifically. They have the rocket launcher, which can be quite mean. They've got some good melee, but again, it's not they're not particularly killy. They are surprisingly durable with their 10 wounds, 
and they also retain one save from Skulk About and just a scratch as well also helps them maintain that durability but that's that's kind of like they're okay but their saves only a five up so they're not, not, not terrible but not bad and then their ability to play the objective can be kind of good so they can forward the cooperatives to be in the right place at the right time be able to tap those 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 objectives and they can use their ploys to, to move around the map and set up some threats that you probably weren't seeing so i think again i think they've got they've got all the right tools to take you to the right place but maybe not quite as reliably as you'd want in in shooting or melee and that's because they've only got four attacks they can quite easily get parried out against a a good melee opponent if they're not doing enough damage so that's that's kind of where they they sit. Moving on then, in in, in C tier or standard tier, we've got Warp Coven. I think again, they've got they've got everything in that package that you need. So they have an ability to uh, deny people getting uh, modifications on on APL. They've got the ability to, to to do some AP shooting with their Soul Reaper cannon, all that sort of stuff, and they can move people around. And they actually have quite a lot of access to rerolls if you're selecting the right targets, but they're quite complicated to use and they've got a lot of like everything sort of has like a, a limitation attached to it so the rubric marines are great but they have to be within six inches of their leader to be apl3 and they can only ever move six inches and their damage mitigation only ever applies to low damage weapons so it's that kind of thing of like they're they're good they've got some stuff but they don't quite have everything that you want um, and that's why they they sort of sit in 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 c tier they can do it, but it's not reliably enough, or it has caveats be, being applied to it. Whereas some of the other teams get all these abilities just without caveats. Moving on again, C tier blooded. They're getting a good rep at the moment because they are effectively a, a quite a durable team with between 12 and 14 bodies, depending on how, not how you want to, want to play them. But they can have as many bodies as Vet God, and everyone knows that 14 bodies just in, instinctively is, is strong. They've got a lot of activations, and they've got a lot of ways of dice manipulation when it comes to offense so either through their blooded tokens which can be really nice with that auto retain or uh, an auto retain crit if they're in the gaze of the gods but in melee they can also get access to quite a relentless so their medic can jab one guy during deployment uh, before you set up and give them relentless that works really well on say like the uh, enforcer with the power fist because four attacks on fours is is useless but four attacks on fours with Relentless is actually pretty pretty effective, particularly when it's got Brutal tied to it, and particularly when it's then also maybe one, minus one attack with their uh, equipment they can do as well. And then at the start of the next turn, turn point one, you can jab someone else and give them Relentless. Start of turning point two, you can jab someone else and give them Relentless. So you can give them melee some, some reliability, but their shooting potentially lacks it. That being said, obviously you have the auto-retains. But again, you're then balancing this 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 auto-retain system out. And if they if your opponent's killing the right models, you're losing those those tokens that you need to to guarantee your reliability, which can be can be kind of rough. Finally, uh, in C tier, a team that has everything I think is is Novitiates. I think they are they are, they're really the they're the strongest of, of the C tier because they are the most reliable out of, out of all of them, and they do have a lot of tricks to increase their durability. But against advanced players, you can start to understand what those tricks are and play against them quite well. So blinding aura is a brilliant brilliant way of uh, throwing someone off you know, th their game plan. You, you spend some faith points, you don't get to shoot that model. But if you set up two shots, two valid shots, it's like, okay, well, I won't shoot him or her, sorry. I'll shoot this other, one, this other model and it doesn't really matter too much. So you, you, you can use that and, and there's only so many times they can use that blinding aura 
before they're burning through all their faith points and then you can start really really punishing so you know that being said they can be exceptionally killy because they've got you know ap weapons they've got l so many re-rolls and di dice manipulation they can guarantee reliability but they are still only a seven wound team with you know five up four up saves or three up saves depending on who you're shooting and they they, they only have 10 bodies so it, it can go wrong quite quickly for them if you start getting those kills and they don't have that many activations to be able to pre-position perfectly against higher model teams. So at the high level play, I think Novitiates are starting to hurt with only having 10 bodies and, and being able to, to do all of it at once because that their limited resource of faith is being used to guarantee the reliability in, in offense and also defense. And if you if you're not really careful in your, in your budget management of it, then you can run out of faith quite quickly. That's the end of C tier. Is it, you, you got any thoughts on that, Connor, on anything in C tier? No, let's jump into B. So this is the above average tier. They got everything, but they do something slightly better than, than other teams. Uh, and I start with Wormblade. This is a team that I think has been really helped out by the match play mission sequence. So now they can use the fortify step to set up a barricade in, in, a, in a good position and even using climbing ropes they can dash one of their heavy gunners in, into that barricade position and be able to lock down certain areas of the, the map just by, by using that four or five step. And because every single one of their operatives on turn one can use that flip order whenever they want, whenever they need, it, that means it really, really helps them. And they've got a lot of great ploys as well that you want to use every turning point to, to maximize this team and getting that extra CP is really going to help. So I think they've got good offensive capability when you look at the, the rerolls. Sadly, it's you do have to be quite on, on your ball with it because it's only ever when they're flipping usually from conceal to engage, but they've got methods of getting relentless or a better ceaseless during that as well. And they have, you know, some, some quite killy models that can play around with durability. So Sanctus Sniper on silent, ignoring obscurity, being able to take those shots is really, really good. But likewise, they, they're going to struggle to do to deny people the, the same trick. So actually getting up the board and killing people at the other end of the board is quite difficult for them. They can set up these these blast charges and all that sort of stuff, but actually reliably killing those models at range can be can be tough for them. But that being said, they can play the objective well because they can pretty much get guys on, on four objectives on almost all the missions guaranteed turn one, which is really nice. Infiltrate, I'm I think is one of probably the weakest of the TAC Ops, or the hardest to score anyway. So they're probably more looking at Seek and Destroy to be able to get those kills and then it's it's trying to balance the reliability of achieving the kills with keeping enough models of conceal enough models of conceal to do the activation advantage and that sort of thing. Next team that we have in B tier is is Crete. Conjure, do you want to go with your thoughts on Crete? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've been saying it since the Galadart drop that Crete are absolutely monstrous, I agree, but no, it's obviously since <laughs> the release of this new this new data slate to come out, they are now it's nice to see them actually playable, if I'm honest. We had a couple of games the other day. They've got a few Blister Skill 3 going on, uh, some GA2. Uh, the extra operative is nice because it allows them to start tapping more objectives. The cover, they've got the, the Rogue Rule, which means that they can retain an extra dice if they're in cover, which now can't be mitigated by no cover, so that makes them even stronger. Uh, their equipment for meat went down, so uh, you can give them meat and they can, uh, when they've been wounded but not killed they can then take their meat for free and get back up to above half health and basically shrug it off and don't care they're they're looking like a good side now i think so i think yeah putting them in b above average is uh is good what, what do you think well what, what i'm hearing there from what you've explained is they have a lot of tricks to be durable 
and it's hard for us to now shut those tricks off. With the new match permission rules with the Fortify, their sniper can get onto that, that silent cover and start causing havoc. They also have another silent weapon with the bow that can do some damage with lethal five as well. But they're also really mobile, right? Because you, you spotted something with um, with Bound that I, I hadn't really realized until you... We need to get it FAQ'd, I think, but the wording is each. Uh, so each time they do transverse, each time they climb, each time they drop, they can ignore the first two, which basically gives them fly almost. Which is it's huge. Like so, you can climb an Octarius building, and it's only going to cost you because it will cost you four to climb it normally. It's now only costing you two. So you're going to climb it for two. You're going to drop that would cost you two normally, but now it's going to cost you zero. So you're going to basically go on a charge six inches directly over even an Octarius building or a Chowness wall, whatever it is, whatever you know, as long as it's not more than uh, four circle high, you, you can be flying over these things, and you're obviously ignoring any any and all of these barricades as well. Combine that with a, a base movement of eight uh, from a hound, and that is that, that's that's pretty terrifying. So they're really mobile, they're really durable with their eight wounds as well. It's a nice damage break point for a lot of weapons, and they can play recon quite well. The only thing that I think they're lacking is just reliable killing. So the rerolls yeah. with the rerolls, yeah. So because it's 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 tied to being so they can get a lot of rerolls, but they can get balance, sorry. But it's tied to being heavy, which then again makes it easier for players to play around potentially. So I think that's that's where they're at for me. Is they're they're they are above average in durability and, and mission play, but they're not above average when it comes to, to to offensive, which is why they're not up in the A tier for me just yet. I might be wrong on that though. I might be wrong on that, but that's kind of my gut feel as as to where they are. Okay, next team along. We're into Void Dancer Troop, the menace that has been Void Dancer Troop for so long. They're still a problem, to be honest, because they are mobile, they've got inbuilt, uh, invulnerable saves. They also have, when it comes to durability in close combat, the ability to use Jest. So unless you've got crits, there's a chance that they're going to parry you out um, or, or force you not to do damage, which can be really mean against like eight wound models when they have the, the five attacks and balance because they, they're doing four or five damage themselves. So they can be killing you in two hits. So you, you can charge someone and it, 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 it's, it sort of feels bad when you're on the offense, but then suddenly you get put into, into the defense by an ability. That's, that's a durability buff that that team has. And because they're three APL, they can play the objective really well. And normally you, you'd be concerned about throwing models out into the open or, or in, into light cover in front of your your enemy to go capture an objective turn one. But with Donovan Field, another durability buff, they're able just to, to, to shut down that shooting from range. So you're then forced to get closer to them. But if they're playing on conceal, that's really hard. So a combination of being able to be concealed, ignoring the advantages that are a long way from, or a long distance from them and then just playing that light cover means that they can play the mission very very effectively and they're very very hard to, to deal with both at range and in melee and then when it comes to our offensive capability they're, they're pretty good they're not insane but they have the opportunity to do quite a lot of double kills which against low wound horde teams can be really really oppressive because they can charge a guy kill them in melee and shoot another guy and with a spike damage from rending it can be it is swingy but it can pick up double kills quite well so that's kind of my take on them i think they're above average i think against some of the teams that are above them you'll see that there's reasons why i think they can they can deal with them but uh, that's kind of where where i think they're seeing at the moment the next team along then is recently nerfed and these guys were probably in the s tier i think before before this and now they're going to sit in B tier because Hunter Clade now have to make some really hard choices in the kill team selection step. So they're going to have to choose, do they want to have their three gunners for long range or do they want to have 
the the perfect balance of Sicarians and regular guys, but then only take two gunners. Also, uh, yeah, sorry, four Sicarians and the regular guys, or are they going to go with five Sicarians, but then lose their activation advantage and, and only have two gunners? So they're making some real hard choices here where it's going to cost them either their durability or their offensive capability. Whereas before this, they had all of that in one. So they used to be far more offensive, far more durable, and far more, or, or have more, more bodies to play the mission than they do now. They also have into their equipment, pickup actions for free, mission actions for free, and methods of playing around with that, and a forward deploy. So again, they play the mission well. They've got access to recon, which is a really strong archetype. It's very hard for you to deny them those, those VP. And their faction tack ops are quite good as well. So all that combined, they're doing everything pretty well but now they have to make some really hard choices in that kill team selection step, which I think is punishing them slightly, which means that they're no, no, no longer in a, in a higher tier. Finally in B tier, Gellapox. Again, another team that was, in my opinion, in the S tier prior to this balanced state of slate. They had so much durability, so much durability. And it wasn't just in shooting, because it, it like the, the ability to remove dice and have a feel no pain mechanic is, is huge. And that is one, one method of durability that they had but they also had the ability to make everyone injured when they're in engagement range with them. So even if you got into melee, where they want to be anyway, the feel no pain still works there. And now you're hitting them on minus one weapon skill. Oh, it's just rough. But balanced data slates come in, it's reduced that range of the glitchling um, aura. So now they are actually quite vulnerable to shooting. So so long as you uh, mitigate threat ranges against them and you, and you sit just outside those threat ranges, you can probably get some shots at the big guys if they want to move into the the midboard to sit on objectives then you're probably going to see that you can get the you, you can do the damage you need to do and, and the other durability thing that they did have was obviously the glitchlings had super conceal like gene stealers so that they kind of had it all and they had a really good tack up as well so they were playing the mission really well and they were doing uh, durability really really well too well actually was, was the problem which is why they're broken previously or why they're nested previously and now why they're they're less of a problem and then they were actually fairly reliable when you started stacking things intelligently like if you're using the bugs to give you combat support you can take your guy that hits on fours to hitting on twos and suddenly that reliability is massively increased combine that with the uh, blessings of the infection or blessings of the pot which way around it is but that means that they can then retain dice if they get too many misses etc etc so suddenly they're always guaranteed to get a hit and they can be quite explosive so in melee they were killy obviously they had very very little shooting but it was there and they sort of had everything you needed now it's been dialed back slightly so i think they're sitting at the top of b tier above average uh, able to do everything slightly better than the teams beneath them I think that rounds off the tier. Any, any thoughts on that, Connor? No, let's jump into strong A tier. Let's get it in, right? A tier. So, right at the bottom of A tier, I think it's intercession. This is going to be your local cl club stomper because they are durable, they're killy, they play the mission well, they do all three of those things quite effectively. They've got reliable like reliability in that based on the rerolls. They got reliability based in their in their defense from either having durable or methodical, or they can use their, their attack ploy to upgrade a, a regular save to a crit save they've got all of the bits in there to be able to, to to keep their models hanging around just long enough and just 14 wounds base is just it's a lot of wounds to chunk through when you need to get get going so they're doing all of those things and they're doing it well they've got access to uh, security and seek and destroy which are credible attack up archetypes which is good they're doing everything and they are the i think the gatekeeper to all strong factions if, you, if you're not dealing with them effectively you're probably gonna gonna struggle and they also have the ability to flex quite hard from either being very very shooty or being very very melee 
and and play between between that. And pairing them quite quite nicely, I think, is Legionaries. They're the next team uh, that begins, I guess, our, our top five of factions. If people uh, are, are tracking Legionary, they just they do a very good job of of everything that well, well we're talking about Nurgle Legionary here specifically of doing the, the durability the mission play and the offensive capability because they've got AP they've got shooting and they've got a lot of defensive buffs which is going to keep them on the board for a long time but they also have which I really like about them is just the, the ability to completely flex their team to something else they're a huge toolbox and you never really know what you're going to get when you're going into Legionary it's different for every player you might play someone who's um, you know really cautious holds back and exploits stuff or maybe they're a really aggressive player and they're up in your face and you have to be ready for, for any of those things and they've got the tools for all of that so they are they're difficult to deal with and that's why they they sit i think where they are they can i think reliably have an advantage into intercessors with the amount of ap they can pack um, which is really nice as well so i think that's that, that's where they belong okay we're into our final four teams i don't know if this is going to be surprising for people but i think at number four it's going to be elucid in star striders and that's because i think they've now got everything they need to be able to re reliably play the objective with their um, the candid, the, the dog model that can go and fetch objectives and, and do that sort of stuff. They've got the free mission action, they've got the APL3, they can move out on objectives, they can do all that sort of stuff, it's great. And they also have long range blast, long range AP and their orbital strikes. And now that it's boosted up to, uh, to hitting on threes, that's a really reliable long range blast. That's a really reliable AP2 weapon, if it's particularly if you if you buff it with uh, command points and you think to yourself well thank god that team has now got an extra command points to spend because their ploys are fantastic and they also have uh, the ability to take extra command points as part of their their team setup so you can be going into to turning point one on five cp which is huge but obviously there are only 10 models and you think to yourself you guys are going to fall apart as soon as they, they hit a, uh, you know a, a stiff breeze because just like kazakin there are only 10 models and seven wounds well no, because they've got the, the, the ploy Undaunted Explorers where they're going to sit now on objectives and be minus or uh, half your damage from a single attack dice. Huge. And that just completely changes damage breakpoints. Um, so you get hit by a, a, a Pathfinder with, with a four damage weapon. He gets two hits through. It thinks it's going to kill you. No, it just does six damage. They have a medic that can mean they can ignore it injured. They can, they've got the I guess best medic for, for healing people with D3 plus three wounds. Um, they can spend a CP and just regain four wounds on a key model. So they have all of these these abilities. They're a massive toolbox and they've got loads of flex. And that's why I think that they're up where they are. And people are worried about their ability to play into elites and that sort of stuff. And I, I do get it. But the other thing that I think people forget is in the Kazakin, they have they have one plasma gun, they have one melt gun. If you kill those models, they're gone. But when with this team, any of their models can be that orbital blast and that's a that's a huge amount of mental load to, to put on the the player at, going through i think that's pretty much it where, where someone elicited in star riders any thoughts on that connor no 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 i think you've hit the nail on the head with them really that durability is really tough and particularly like you talked about shooting but the melee side of it as well because you only get to hit the once and you're gonna halve the damage of that they're now not dead i can't think of a scenario where you can kill him in one if they're on full health yeah so it's a big shake up real rough real rough which which is which is good and, and to be fair I, I do think the team need it uh, i think they're in a good place now and i think we'll see a lot more success with star Wars in the next next few tournaments that are coming up okay top three. Oh my god i never thought i was going to say the words but pathfinders are not top of the list 
Pathfinders are in number three. The, I, I think the nerf has, has had its effect. They're still obviously a really strong team. They're up there, number three. There we go. But one less body really hurts them. They do have the ability to, to you know, get rid of people in sniper nests at range with the marker lights. So that sort of ploy just, or strategy doesn't work against them very well. And they still have a huge toolbox available to them. But now with, with less models, they're having to really think about Am I marker lighting people? Am I shooting people? Am I doing the mission actions? Because you know, two of the three mission types are, are all action-based and that action economy really starts to hurt them. So before, where they had all of it, just because to the weight of numbers, they've lost a bit of that. Now, don't don't be take away from, from the fact that they are incredibly killy when they need to be, right? These guys are all four or five damage weapons, everyone across the board, or better. And they also have pretty much, well, very easy access to double uh, re-rolls, double balance on all their models. Makes them insanely reliable in, in their killy output. And the fact that there's 12 bodies makes them durable. And the fact that they can give a free dash for an entire turn or one of the turns makes them highly mobile. So suddenly you're a mobile, very killy team that takes a lot of activations to get rid of. And that's, that's where Pathfinders are. But they are like, struggling now in comparison to these other teams to play the missions as, as effectively as, as those teams do which is which is good you know that, that that that's fine they were they were doing it all too well before i think you've obviously just just been playing some pathfinders gonna how, how did you feel pre-balanced data state post that balanced data state how do they make you feel pre-data state i mean yeah they're they're a site that just stomps everyone they're overpowered over tuned as you say now i actually really like this nerf um Predominantly because it makes me sit and think about the kill team for a second. Beforehand, I knew what the kill team was without even having to like look at the other side. I'll go, okay, I'll take these guys. Now, I'm losing a man. So I have to, and all the guys are very good. So now I have to really think about who's going back in the box and who's coming out to play. And I like that. I like that cognitive element. And you basically, you're sat there staring at a puzzle. You just got to look at the pieces and figure it out. So I quite enjoyed that playing against you this Christmas. But, you know... They're still, they're still a solid side. They're, they're so killing. They've got so much offensive power still, even with the man down. You've touched on durability. The fact there's still 12 models. They've still got a medit. They've got two guys that can shoot from silent. The uh, transspectral can shoot from obscurity. I mean, they're still very durable. They're, they're a solid team. And, and I, I was just talking on Discord to, to some EU players who are top, top tier Pathfinder players. Uh, I think the sentiment there is, is echoed. They still have all the tools they need, don't get me wrong. And, and they're still number three on our tier list. Don't get carried away. Don't think that their, their day's, day's done. Treat them with respect. But they're definitely up there now with with a bit more or a bit more balance than what they used to be. And we're even talking about stuff like not, not using the... Uh, group activation of the recon drone but like saving it to your next activation just to give you the activations you need because because they're hurting for it now which, which is which is huge changes which which is good which is good all right final two teams they are both imperium teams and we're going to begin with at the end of 18 number two is vet guard they've got spotters to be able to deny heavy cover they've got loads of bodies that they, that they can get into the right positions um, they do have some reliability in offense through through various means. They've got some great area denial in that the remote mine being able to get people out of heavy cover and, and, and hit a very large area as well. And they're able to play the mission so well. Security combined with the extra bodies, so 14 bodies, and being able to move onto objectives as your last activation. And you think to yourself, how, well, how are you going to get there? Well, they can get, if they want it, plus one move and a free dash at the very start of the game. So they're taking ground far better, they're moving up, they're getting what, what they need, and they're able to really play around some of these new changes and, and make the most of them. So 
I think there's I think the team has everything it needs. People have been, I think, sleeping on vet guard recently that because a lot of competitive players have dropped them. People seem to think that they don't have what what they, what they need. I don't think it's true. I think that they're, they're, they're able to do everything that they need to do, but they are they're not quite the strongest team because of a few reasons. But but I think that's that's where they're at. Any thoughts on vet guard, Connor? Yeah, just like you said, the underrated side because they came out of the, you know, the first the first team to come out. So everyone they got the hype for them. Their career, wow, and then newer, cooler models have come out. But they're still solid. They still got all the the stuff you want from a good team. Yeah, and like, because for instance, like uh, stand fast. One of their objectives or attack ops is just go and basically sit on more objectives than your opponent. And having fourteen bodies, you want to do that anyway. And to be able to throw your guys forward and do that is is so strong to be able to score points, which is which is really really good. Combine that with J two grenades and whatever else that you need uh, with re rolls. It's 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 a great place to be. In. So the strongest team then, in in, in my opinion, and it still sits in A tier is Imperial Navy Breaches. So I think they are currently number one, but I don't think they're broken. But the reason I think they're number one is because they do the durable horde really, really well. Their damage reduction ploy is is really good, and their reliability on their offensive action is huge through abilities to use things like Close Assault and Blitz. So when it comes to being able to kill stuff reliably, they're good. When it comes to hanging around and not dying reliably, they're good and when it comes to playing the mission they have access to either seek and destroy and security both good tack ops I, I think they can do that pretty well as well so i think there's commonly a lot of mistakes people play with this team is they maybe overestimate the the reliability and and they don't understand the durability of them comes from that damage reduction ploy not from just running forwards and trying to use a four up safe that's not going to get you safe or the, the stims aren't going to make a difference either like it's it's the minus one damage that's, that's going to make a huge difference but that slows your team down. So, so you've got to play smart with them. But if you're playing against a smart player, they can position well, and they're, they're really hard to dig those guys out of, of wherever they're, they're set up. So I think they've got all the tools to get rid of snipers on vantage points, which is really nice. They've got rid of, uh, or if, if you're playing against elite team, that they can get rid of guys in heavy cover, which is really nice with the cat uh, unit. They can play the objective really well with, the, with their, um, their 12 bodies and their ability to, to sit on objectives and, and not be removed easily and they've got a lot of explosive high damage weapons through through blitz and they can flex very well if, if into playing against either a horde team with their shotguns and their grenades and their relentless last volley or playing into an elite team with the plasma gun the melter uh the demo charge and that sort of stuff as well so they've they've got a little bit of everything and i think they're in a, a really good position going into this this next season um, to be able to, to pick up quite a few tournament wins. So in sum, there is no teams that we th currently think need nerfs. I'm I hold hold ready to change my opinion on that when I see a bit more tournament data and, and see what people are placing with them. But the top five teams is going to be Breachers, Vet Guard, Pathfinders, Star Striders and, and Legionaries. And the bottom five teams is going to be Commandos, Corsairs, Kazakin, Phobos and Hyrotech. And then the other teams are all in amongst it in the middle. And that's pretty much where we think we sit. Connor, what have I missed? Any, any points you want to add in? No, I think um, you've covered that quite nicely. It's been a, a long episode, this one, but I think it had to be. And you've covered all the points and given your reason behind them in, in good detail. It'd be nice to know what the community thought and you know, what we missed. There might be something that we overlooked here. 
get in touch with us let us know is there any way for people to to see the board that you've made yeah so we'll we'll put that into the video obviously it'll be on our patreon i'll throw it up on the instagram as well and and all other stuff we, we have a link tree now just at turning point tactics which has all of our links and i'll, I'll try and share it as, as, as far and wide as we can and as you say it'd be great to hear people's opinions because may, maybe we are missing something maybe someone has seen a a, a strategy a tactic that, that we haven't quite picked up on and they think actually you know high tech circle everyone keeps saying that they need a buff but if you play them in this way you can get around whatever it is that they're deficient in and, and you can really really make that work for you potentially um I'm, uh, you know that, that that's the sort of engagement that, that we want because at the moment this is we've tried to make it objective but it's always subjective right i can only base it on what i've seen what i've read and, and what i know so I, I can't i can't forecast everything and uh, hopefully people will see that we're, we're trying to be as objective as possible but if they have a different opinion and they think you know actually I think Ryan, you've missed this. Let us know. You know, that I'm, I'm always open to to trying to grow grow new ideas and understand more things um, going forward. Because I think that's that, that's really important. I think we are way too long in, in this, this episode to go and do um, any more uh, for tactical tips or audience questions. So we'll, we'll cut this one uh, here because it's a long episode by by quite a while. And we'll make sure we catch up on those uh, in the next episode where we're going to be talking about tack ops and that sort of stuff. And we're also hoping to get uh, another guest on to talk, talk through some top competitive tips. So we'll, we'll go with that. Anything you want to add, Connor? Nope. Okay, well, to the audience out there, hopefully you found something new or useful while listening. Uh, if you did, throwing us a like will be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss any episodes, make sure you hit that subscribe uh, so you get notifications as soon as the next one drops. And if you can't wait and you want early access, uh, we always have a Patreon where you can get early access to all of our content ahead of time. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback, so drop us a comment below and we'll get right to you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Ryan. This has been Turning Point Tactics. And Cor and I will see you next week. See you next week.